The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. I grabbed two girlies and a beer. That's cold. <laughs> Damn, that's scary. When Hammond was assembling his crack team, of scientists yeah. for the, this endeavor. He made a couple of astute choices. He had the paleontologist. Yes. That'd be Dr. Grant. He had yeah. the, the paleobotanist, Ellie Sadler. Ooh, I like her. The blood-sucking lawyer, which I don't really remember his name, probably something vampiric, right? I, I think it was Ted. Yeah, Ted the lawyer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, famous for his yeah. hot dog stands. He had a degree in dino law. Yeah. But the one that confuses me, and Uh I think probably everybody else, one of the more famous characters from that franchise, one Ian Malcolm, the essential mathematician that came along for the ride. Yeah, I I guess that's kind of weird, right? What the fuck was he doing there, man? Wait, wait, wait. Was that it? Like, that was his thing. He was a, he did math. Well, he was, uh, I mean, in his words, he was a chaotician. Which I don't know the distinction. I'm, you know, I'm not a, 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 a what? A chaotician. Isn't that what the Joker was? You know what I think it was? That's fancy speak for a dog chasing his own tail. You know how I got these scars? Math. Dino math. Yeah, that was the original. That was in the original script. They had to cut that. And then Jeff Goobum just starts licking his lips all menacingly. <laughs> yeah, but you know what I'm saying? Like, Jeff Goldblum is one of the most famous characters from not just that original movie, but from the whole fucking franchise. Yeah, but all he did was math. Well, what was he even doing there in the first place is what I'm saying. Yeah, dino math, dude. Oh, I get that, but what the fuck is dino math? Dino math! (laughs) Okay, yeah, problem solved. Hey, everyone, we're Damn That Scary. Damn That Scary. And we know dinosaur math. math. Yeah. Yeah, dino math. And we're cooking MCs like a pound of bacon. Oh boy, here we go again. My name is Micah. Over there from Buffalo, New York is Greg. I'm over here in Reno, Nevada. Sorry that we didn't have an episode last week. I came down with a little case of the COVID. Which is Reno slang for HIV. Yeah, it's it's a very vintage disease. Mm, Yeah, Yeah, it's like I'm going back to the fucking 80s. Old school. Just pounding butts left and right, and I got the hiv. I mean, and by him, I mean the vid. I am a COVID cutie right now. First off, let me go out of the way to say that this episode of Damn That Scary is sponsored by Good Times Bourbon. I don't mind. Distilled in Indiana. And a lot of good things come from Indiana. Right, Greg? Uh, Indians? Yep. And uh, this year, Peach Raker Whiskey which is going to flush the COVID out, purify my soul, and give you a solid episode. What is this, 69? What number are we thinking of? I think it is, actually. Nice. Yeah. Ooh. Episode yeah. 69. 69, dudes! Yeah, how do, actually, how do we not realize that sooner? I, we should have started the episode by 69 in each other. We should have celebrated that fact, like, at least five minutes ago. You know what? You should listen to this episode with having somebody else's butthole an inch away from your nose. You know what this calls for? We get a little chant going. Do a little 69. We, 
Yeah, because we're all 13 at heart. How is, uh, how, uh, well, I, I want to say weak, but how have you been these past couple weeks, my dear friend? Well, I've been living COVID free for about two weeks, which I tell hey. you, breathing easy, uh, not so wheezy. Hey. I'm not, a, I'm not good at rhyme, turns out. Fuck you, buddy. <laughs> I've been having a real hard time over here. I can't breathe worth shit. And I see you've been... punched the shit out of your ventilator because there's a uh, there's a heap of just tubes and masks behind you. I uh, I had a little bit of a meltdown and I punched my ventilator. Oh, you destroyed it when you turned out that it was not an improvised blowjob device. You could say that I was all revved up with no place to go because oh, I was quarantined. That's frustrating. And that yeah, is very I think uh, we would be remiss if we did not mention that our idol, our mentor, our teacher, teacher. and lover. Mr. Meatloaf, Mr. Marvin Meatloaf Johnson, <laughs> Mr. Marvin Meatloaf Johnson, sadly passed away recently. I remember everything. The world has been robbed of rock and roll for the rest of eternity. There, I, I feel like there is no replacement for this man. There is no replacement for Meatloaf. Who the fuck is going to replace him? The lead singer of My Chemical Romance? Fuck that guy. Uh, when we were young, my dick. Oh, when we were young, whatever. Yeah, go enjoy spending $300 to see a bunch of washed-up emo bands I feel sorry for anyone who has fond memories of that bullshit. People are acting like that's nostalgia. Your emo childhood is garbage. That was literally like five years ago. That's not vintage. Yeah, right? My ex-wife is going to that. I'm like, have a great time, sweetheart. (laughs) Yeah, let me tell you something. You got out of there at the right time. Yeah, clearly I dodged me a bullet. <laughs> I'm so fucking lonely. Yeah, you, you know what? Your I, life is I, much better. I don't cry myself to sleep every because night. Because of this singular event that you may not want to attend, your your life is improved. Yeah, but if it was Meat Fest with a bunch of bands covering Meatloaf, I'd be there in a heartbeat. Well, of course. I think there actually is... um. In all seriousness, there is a Meatloaf tribute concert in Buffalo. I want to say it's sometime in February, and it actually is called All Revved Up. Shit. Details on that are uh, on the All Revved Up website for anyone who's interested. www.allrevveduptfor2069.com. That is real. You can go there, buy tickets pre-sale. I'm only half serious about this, but yes. R.I.P. Marvin Meatloaf Johnson. We love you. Cheers uh, to that. Can we get a can we get like a clink sound in here? Can we uh, okay, uh Cheers. Ready? Okay, good. All right. Good. So what you got for news, buddy? Oh, uh well, first and foremost, I would like to talk about somebody that was past his prime, uh who's coming back with a Netflix series, Will Arnett. Okay. Will Arnett is coming out with a show called Murderville. It's Ooh. a it's a who done it murder mystery cop drama thing uh with horror elements of course and every episode will so will arnett plays a detective and every episode he is going to have a celebrity partner now everybody has the script they know who the killer is Mm -hmm. they know the dialogue except for will arnett's celebrity partner i like this what a twist what a twist are you sure Uh, this isn't directed by m night Shyamalan? 
It might be. In that case, it's going to suck a bunch of donkey dicks. Okay, well, never mind uh, that then. Yeah. I believe it's but, actually produced by Will Arnett himself. Yeah, and, and now, yes, I know Will Arnett's best days are behind him. Well, with the rest, the rest of development. development. Exactly. And, and I, actually, I mean, low-key, that is where we stole the love each other outro from. Come on! Uh, yeah, thanks, Will. I'm going to watch your show because of that. Please don't sue us. Yeah, don't sue us, Will Arnett. Uh, we don't have that kind of money. We have damn that scary money, and that means damn that's not a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um... Still want people's kids getting their sticky little fingers all over these $2,600 pants. Uh, so, oh, okay, what I was saying was is that everybody has the script. They all follow it, except for his partner, yes. who has to come in and kind of wing it. So really, uh, it's almost like a reality TV show. It kind of, they have to, they, so his partners, they stay in character, okay. but they kind of just uh, I- impromptu, who, whose line is it anyway shit. And you know? uh, the, the mystery guest basically is the one singular contestant in this murder mystery, like a bed and breakfast, and they're doing one of those performance nights where, you know, the lights go out and somebody dies. Except you're it an was, actor and you're expected to fucking... You know what? Is this like an acting class? Is this something you picked I, up from an acting maybe, class? And they're making a you show You know what? Chances are it was the butler. It's always the butler. The you want to know butler. why? Because the word butt is in his name. <laughs> and that immediately <laughs> makes him a suspect. I'd, I'd be a great detective, I think. An investigator, even. I'd let you investigate me. You want to know why? Because huh. I immediately suspect your butt. That's what I learned in... Uh, in cop school. The butler. Well, yeah, this is coming out February 3rd on Netflix. I'm actually looking Fantastic. forward to it. I'm going to watch it. Yeah, I'll check it out. Guillermo del Toro is another one who I feel like his best days are behind him. Oh, we probably shouldn't uh, make this a theme. I, I'm making it a theme because I, I Guillermo del Toro is like the new Tim Burton. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. Guillermo del Toro, your shit used to be tight. Pan's Labyrinth. Legit. Oh, so beautiful, fucking good. Film. So fucking good. But unfortunately, Guillermo, I think oh. his best days his best days are definitely behind him. He's Tim Burtoning himself up right now. I mean, I haven't watched Nightmare Alley yet. I hear it's great. Honestly, I don't really fucking give a shit. I think it's fantastic. I think he's still got some juice in him. I think he's still uh, he's still working hard. Uh, as long as he doesn't lean too heavily into the CGI nonsense like Tim Burton well, did, I think, yeah, I think he can pull some shit off. That's kind of where he's going, though. And also, like, like Guillermo del Toro has the same... Oh, my God. He, he has the same, like, body as Peter Jackson. That is true. And actually, I get them confused very often. Oh, yeah. Well, because one's Peter and one's a Guillermo. I can see how that's confusing. Yeah, Guillermo is actually... That's, that's like, the España version of, uh, of Peter. Yeah, uh, Like a John. Right. It's, it's a direct translation. Sure. So I can see how somebody would confuse. Uh, so Guillermo del Toro is going uh, a little bit uh, more of like the uh, the fairy tale side of entertainment, is, whatever the fuck, where he's doing fucking Pinocchio. This is his big fish era. Oh, God. So Guillermo del Toro is doing Pinocchio, James and the Giant Peach style, because James and the Giant Peach's animator, lead animator, is in mm-hmm. charge of the stop motion of the new Pinocchio movie, which kind of looks terrifying. And I guess it centers around the cricket that lived inside of Pinocchio, yeah. uh, Jiminy. Anyone uh, want to guess which hole he lived in? I'll give you. Uh, I'll give you one easy one. What do you think? 
The giant peach. No, it was his butt. Yeah, the Jiminy butler. Cricket lives in his butt. Uh, so Jiminy Cricket's character is going to be played by Ewan McGregor. Okay. Tilda Swinton's in this. There's a bunch of other people because, of course, Guillermo del Toro fucking pays his actors very well. Some very talented voice acting connected to this. Yeah, probably. I mean, uh, Pinocchio is kind of terrifying in its own right, though. I can see this directed by, you know, like a David Cronenberg type. If you really want to get into the body horror of some of that plot. Oh, you mean like the kids turning into giant donkeys? Yeah, well, they start sucking down some cigars and immediately they just start turning into big old asses. Yeah, they just turn into Rush Limbaugh. Anyways, let's fuck off with this Pinocchio bullshit uh, and how much Guillermo del Toro is a husk of what he used to be. Yeah, Uh, love those husks. Did you hear about the Dead by Daylight drama? Uh, A little bit. I think you were explaining it to me earlier. All right, so uh, apparently uh, if you kill enough people as the character Leatherface, Mm -hmm. you get to collect skins to make your own mask. Fun little feature. That's a very fun feature, and I'm all about that, but apparently there is some some real cocksuckers on uh, on the site. Well, this is a predominantly online-oriented game, so I can only assume that people push this in a, an edgy direction. So for the, the people that don't know what Dead by Daylight is, Dead by Daylight is you play as different murderous characters from movies. Some of them are made up just for the game. It is I an believe... uh, asymmetrical multiplayer. It is, it's like one-on-four or one-on-three, something like that. It's basically the Friday the 13th game. Well, the Friday the 13th game was based on the, the Dead by Daylight formula. I thought Dead by Daylight was based on the Friday no, the 13th I, formula. I, I think Dead, Dead by Daylight came first. Oh, the chicken or the egg, Greg? Come on. Yeah, well, either way, you got you have a bunch of people being kind of hunted down by the monster, which is either Jason or any number of other movie characters that they've patched in. Yeah, there's like like ghost faces in it. They've I think been pretty Art cool about, about doing regular updates on it. But what we're focusing on here is the fri- leather or, uh, leather face, the Texas Chainsaw update, which allows you to steal the faces of your victims and. Uh, maybe some of you can tell where this is going. Uh, you can tell where this is going. Yeah, if you know it, the internet. You can see how this could be exploited in, in an offensive way. Yeah, it got kind of racist, yeah. so they got rid of the feature. Well, I mean, people decided to just go the blackface route. Yep. Which is not okay nowadays. I mean, I assume, I haven't played the game, but I feel like if there was a black leather face mask... It probably wasn't like a offensive caricature like you no. see in uh, you know the cartoons from 1930. No, but it's the it's the kids that are playing as Leatherface that have to take it that level. How does that happen if the graphics aren't uh, built into the game? How do you, how do you make it offensive? You know, black eye skin on Leatherface, and uh, you know the kids they have the microphone. They probably get kind of racist with it. Oh, they can talk. That's the problem. They can talk exactly. Yeah. Well, I didn't know that. Yeah. I can see where that would be a little bit of an issue for people. It see I've... me if 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 I was playing as this character Leatherface, uh killing people, I would kill a bunch of women's and I would make myself a real pretty women's and I'd run around and go, Oh, look at me, I'm Leatherface. Like oh. Leatherface at the end of the first movie. Uh or Leatherface basically the entire movie of uh, next generation. Yeah, which was the best of those and Easily our, our best, best easily our best episode. Check out Man Eater Month, everybody. It was, it was way better than this. 
yeah, uh, so that's uh, that. That's really it. That's going on. Uh, there is a uh, there is a short out there. I want everyone to check out. The short is being pumped out in a bunch of film festivals right now. It's 13 minutes long. It's on YouTube. It is called Piggy. It is a, a Spanish uh, horror short. It's, it follows this character that is very portly. Uh, she has a bikini. She goes swimming at a public pool. She bumps into this guy. The guy kind of doesn't really say anything to her, gets gets by her, and then she gets harassed by three beautiful girls that try drowning her, steal her all of her clothes and stuff. There's a fat girl bobbing around in a pool. And then she gets harassed by a bunch of mean girls. They should have called this rum ham. Oh, I like that a lot, Missed actually. opportunity. All right, so if you guys want to check out Pool Fatty, I've, I'm hearing good things about it. Yeah, hey, Pool it's, Fatty it's... is really good, but yeah, definitely check it out. It's Piggy. Uh, I don't want to give any more away because it has a really fun ending, uh, ending to it. It's 13 minutes. It's short. It's sweet. It's perfect. You'll never expect it. Honestly, no. Uh, the ending is very gratifying. Yeah, we're not going to spoil it for you, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's good. It's worth it. Yep. Five out of five. Oh, definitely. Definitely five out of five on this. I'm a big fan of this. Yeah, and did you see that that found footage viral video that's taken the internet by storm and it's being called, like, the scariest found footage movie? It's called Backroom. No. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's uh, it's just, like, some, some amateur amateur filmmakers. Uh, they're, like, like teenagers. They're making a found footage horror flick. And one of them trips, falls into a hole, but then keeps falling. Pop, 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 pop. Falls into a room. Uh, with different corridors and stuff like that, and he's walking around with a camera, and there's something really tall, lanky, mechanical, that's kind of, oh, before he sees this thing, on the wall it says, whatever you do, don't run. Okay. And of course, you got this big, giant, fucking mechanical, lanky thing coming at you, you're gonna fucking run. So it's a cat and mouse thing, uh, it's very, very, very creepy, Kind of terrifying. Oh, in, it's in, not the scariest thing I've seen, but it definitely has. Uh, this is like a, a very... T Rex kind of mentality, like in keeping with the theme of this episode so far. This is like the uh, the T Rex that that can't sense your movement. I kind of, uh, but also it could open doors, kind of like the the Raptors. You know, okay. clever girl. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say that again by the end of the episode. Yeah, you will, fucking slut. So this is, uh, was this like a fever dream that uh, your father had after falling through a manhole? Did you get a chance to watch Scream, Greg? No, because you got COVID from going to a movie theater, so that scared me away from actually going to see it. I don't think that's where I got COVID. I think I got it from that girl at the gas station. Oh, yeah, uh, the clean girl that you met yeah. behind the gas station. One of those gas stations where you have to ask for the key inside and then go yeah, outside. If a then... girl if a girl is itching her balls in front of you, chances are she's not clean. If you uh, unlock a dirty gas station door and you find her inside, and yeah. she's just kind of ready to go. Hey, but you know me. I'm a numbers man. Quantity over quality, all right? I'm a I've real always known 80s, that about you. real 80s guy when it comes to that, all right? I just like to put notches in my belt. Old school. That's right, man. You well, know so that that's I, how you get COVID and possibly the clap. I didn't want to so, take that risk because if I ended up at a theater watching Scream, there's a very good chance I would have stopped at the gas station on the way there. So hey, we know how that goes. Hey, I waited till after the movie. I went to, uh, I went to see Scream. Mm -hmm. And I absolutely loved it. Okay. Uh, 
it goes back to the formula of the original. You have all the original characters that were surviving that came back. Uh, you have a good story. Very good story. Very cheesy. I've heard it wraps the franchise up in a nice little package. It certainly does. And Beautiful. I... I hope this is the last one, and you know what? And I know you're going to fucking say some shit over there, uh, but I don't give a fuck. Okay. There were about four points of the movie where I started crying, and at the end of it, it was uncontrollable to where I sat in my car, and I had to sit for five minutes before I could drive away. You little bitch. Okay, well, you heard it here first. Scream 5, the most touching of the Scream franchise. Yeah, just like Batman Forever. I'm very, I'm very into nostalgia right now. And the way they did this, it, it, just, it played on my heartstrings. Scream is funny. It's witty. The kills are brutal. And I'm not saying, like, terrifier brutal. There were more realistic okay. like there's like defensive wounds uh Ooh. yeah yeah which oh there's something about something about a stabbing and then you hear you like in like the news or anything like that or like the the old serial killers of the 70s and 80s stab uh through the palm of the hand always makes yeah, you bingo there is a stab through the palm of the hand because it's defensive yeah. you know right. it's uh what do you do when that? a knife's coming at you you know, you block it. Yeah. So there's something about defensive wounds, just like that, trying to fight back and just making it. You're inevitably you're going to die, and you're just making it so much harder for yourself. But I mean, uh, it might just be in your interest to just take it to the face at that point. I, that's what I told the girl at the gas station. You heard it uh, here first. That's why Micah hasn't been here for two weeks. Yep. If you're listening to the show, chances are you already watched it. Chances are you are agreeing with me that this is the best scream since. Uh, uh, the first one. Chances which, are you you also wept in your car before driving home, before you felt secure enough to drive home. I have a problem, Greg. Okay, I'm emo I'm emotional. I'm going through a lot in life. Yeah, that's exactly and, what I'm uh, saying. You you have the, a major this, problem. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you know, with this whole gas station chlamydia thing that I have, the whole thing of Scream is nostalgia. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I, I was a little disappointed. At one part of the movie, who they revealed, uh, I'm not giving a lot away, but it's the the big reveal at the end, you know, the whole, like, oh, who done it? And I don't think I'm spoiling anything because everybody's already seen it. So, like, the fact that it was David Arquette the entire time yep. uh, is not exactly news to the world. Yeah, it turns right? out David Arquette was the, uh, Dewey was the architect behind everything from yeah. the start. We saw the trailer. It gave the whole thing away. Honestly, that's kind of the reason why I didn't even bother to go see it, because one... I knew that Arquette was the man. He yep. was the killer. Yeah. Two, I didn't want to cry in a parking lot for two and a half hours because I knew that it would just waste most of my night. Well, so it was five minutes, but sure, be an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Stop being such a pussy, okay, pal? Yeah, it was. Uh, I, I give Scream five out of five scaries. Everyone should see it. I've heard, I've heard it's pretty good. Uh, apparently, they did have a... It, it's not greenlit, but based on the numbers of this movie and how well it's doing, they are already talking about another Scream, but kind of redoing the series. You know, no Sidney Prescott, different down. No, you know, no it, Prescott like, bloodline? Yeah, it's not going to be Woodsboro. It's, it's someplace else and all that shit. Uh, but, I mean, at that point, it's going to fall apart. If we get on it early enough, do you think we could start a petition for them to call this? Scream Revelations. 
I'm not going to give anything away, but I feel like this last Scream movie should have been called Scream Bloodlines. Well, yeah, because the bloodline is a very major plot point in the whole story, I think. Yeah. It's Prescott's everywhere. Oh, so many Prescott's. I mean, they all die eventually, right? But Prescott? I don't even know her. Prescott? I never even kissed Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. On that note, my friend, I think it's time to get our sorries through. Okay, well, only one thing left to do then. Matt, tickle the ivory for us. Plank away, buddy. Ooh, ooh that is... Ooh, that is he, he went oh. He went coochie-coochie-coo to that ivory. The finery of ivory. Ooh, I like that a lot. Uh, I'd like to go first. Okay. I, I, I want to apologize to Meatloaf's wife. Oh, God. Uh, his family. His fan base. Uh, because... We're the reason he's dead. I feel like Larry Bird may have a, a hand in this, too. For those of you that don't remember who Larry Bird is, Larry Bird is the ghost that haunts this podcast studio. As if you could uh, forget. Yeah. Now, I mentioned Robert Paulson mm-hmm. in the last episode we did, uh, which might be our best episode. Easily. Best uh, episode. If, I may, if I may steal your bit. To be fair, if you're here... And I'm here. I think it's our bit. Continue. So, I mentioned Robert Paulson. And about 20 minutes after that, you compared a character from the movie Alien Apocalypse to looking suspiciously like Mr. Meat. Yes, and I stand by that. And uh, I think Larry kind of fed on that. And uh, somehow had a hand to play... In the death of our 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 idol. Well, you know, we made that comparison, and then I aggressively lambasted that little fucker for a couple of minutes last you episode. Did. I mean, I you, you uh, definitely did. I went all out. I I, uh, I may have gone overboard with the antagonization of uh, young ghost asshole Larry Bird. My yeah, ju- overboard, just like Kurt Russell. <gasps> oh, God, Kurt Russell's next. No, do not say that. Larry, earmuffs. Earmuffs. So, yeah, to the Meatloaf family, I apologize. Mrs. Loaf, this is on us. Yeah. We are truly, madly, deeply sorry for your loss. <laughs> Very savage <laughs> of you, Greg. A moment of silence uh, for Meatloaf once again. Okay, ready? For for the I think this is the second moment of silence for Meatloaf. It won't be the last. We'll have at least no, one more by the end no, of the No, the more we drink, the more we're going to talk about Meatloaf and how much oh we God, love him. Yeah, we we cannot let it go. I don't think we're capable. Um, no. As far as my apology for this week, going to keep it pretty simple. I mean, aside from the obvious. Sorry we killed you, Meatloaf. Yeah. Um, through our indiscretions. Uh, but I have, uh, I have someone else to apologize to. Little old lady... Named Franny the Whale. Who of no, course leave her alone, she's dead. I'm apologizing to her. Okay. Wait, she's dead? I'm guessing. What the fuck? Okay, well. This is uh for those who don't remember last week's episode, our best episode. This was Micah's geriatric lover from his time at the the, the retirement home. You just listen to last week's episode. Keeping it brief, I I know I go long-winded on this shit. Franny the Whale, I'm sorry that a young 18-year-old stud named <laughs> Micah Johnson fuck you to death at a retirement home. <laughs> Isn't um, that a typo negative song? 
I'm, let me rephrase it. I'm sorry, a young stud named Micah Johnson uh, loved you to death at a retirement home. He had good a intentions. Salty sweat drips from her breast. <laughs> from your breast right onto your ankle. <laughs> or cankle. Yeah, Franny, sorry you died from making love with Micah. He did do the dough diaper specifically for you, though. Anyone who's confused about that, <laughs> listen to last week's episode. It was our best episode. Um, sorry. To Franny. To, to Franny the Whale. And Meatloaf. Mostly to Meatloaf. You know what? Fuck Franny the Whale. I don't actually care about Franny the Whale. I care about Meatloaf. The Meatloaf! Meatloaf's getting his cock sucked right now by her in hell. Do you think the people who wrote his obituary had the common decency to write the phrase back into hell on it? I hope so. Like, I, I feel like it may be seen as slightly disrespectful to the man, but I think he would have appreciated it. Oh. But, I mean, if you really if you wanna, really want to rock the fuck out, go with uh, Bet Out of Hell 1. Can't lose. Bet Out of Hell 2 is a fucking masterpiece. Dead Ringer for love. Dead Ringer for love yeah. is an underrated gem, and oh, everyone should listen to that album. It is fucking phenomenal. Yeah. Keep the man alive. Keep his spirit alive. Blast that shit out of your car windows. Blast it in your apartments. Go to work. Tell your boss that if he doesn't play meatloaf that you're fucking quitting. We we got to chill on this because we are going to be having an episode coming up strictly dedicated to the meat man himself. I feel like we could talk about this all night. But, yeah. uh, all right. Apology over. Sorry uh, for any of the whale. And sorry to uh, Mrs. Johnson, Meatloaf's wife. Yep. Thank, thank you, Matt. You can wrap that up real quick. Okay. Beautiful. All right. Now, Greg and I are going to take a dip back into space. Yeah, we're we're still in space, guys. Going back to 1997 with Alien, Alien resurrection. resurrection. Just like the way Jesus Christ was resurrected, we brought Sigourney Weaver back from her fucking fiery tomb from the depths of hell on that weird prison planet. 200 years after the events of Alien 3, we go into the deep outer reaches of space where it's basically uncharted waters and they are experimenting yes. on some weird fucking shit. From no man's land past Pluto where the law does not apply. Law doesn't apply. Space law. It's stricter than normal law. It's stricter yeah, than normal law. Only one you gotta worry about is Space Ghost, but he's off running around trying to fist fuck praying mantis. This is an often maligned sequel in the Alien franchise, but I have to say it is a very guilty pleasure of mine. There's a lot of flaws. There's a lot of goofy shit. Oh, there's so much to love, though. I love it. I this absolutely a, uh, love this movie. This is made in 1997 by Jean-Paul Jeunet. Uh, Frenchman. Who, as we, uh, as we discussed in our last episode, our best episode, he is the Imagineer behind Delicatessen and City of Lost Children. Both fantastic films. And he has a very signature visual style, which I think is why he was brought on to, to take care of this one. Very beige. Very beige and very French. Very French. Very earth-tony. Dirty, wet. gritty. Very wet. Very wet. Everything in this movie drips. 
Yeah, because apparently there's a lot of humidity in space. Oh, it's all it's all steamy pipes and uh, yeah, condensation. These aliens and, drool a hell of a lot more than any other aliens in the franchise. Because it's been 200 years since we've had xenomorphs, Greg. And they're fucking thirsty. Oh, they got the thirst. Well, guess what? I'm going to double like that fucking pick just to give them a sip. Oh, please do. So, yeah. if you want to get into some characters here, I've got... Let's whole... get into the characters! My God favorite fucking part list. of the It's my favorite. So first up, I think this goes without saying, we've got Ripley. Ripley! You may have uh, you may have heard this name once or twice before if you're an alien fan. She is a space hero, an alien clone hybrid, a basketball star, and a badass. She's also clever, brooding, sarcastic, overtly sexual, and delightfully violent. She's so horny in this. Yes, this is a whole new side of Ripley. Of course, played by the one and only Sigourney Weaver. The legend. Um, she only agreed to do this film if they would allow her to take it in this direction. She didn't want to play the same old Ripley. She yeah. wanted to expand on what this character could do and what this character could be. Sigourney Weaver was at that age where she was like cougar. She was fucking a bunch of 20-somethings. And, and she was just spreading her legs left and right. What I heard was that um, she agreed to do this movie because they drove a quote-unquote dump truck full of money up to her house and said, please help us. And that is exactly the quote. And she was like, yep, okay, okay. That is I, that's everything, the perfect amount of money you brought me. Everything that I said, I was just making up. Yeah, I don't know if I don't know if she was so much fucking everyone as she was just scooping money into her arms. She was stuffing her pockets. She was stuffing her vagina. But you know what? Uh, it's, a, it's a win-win situation because she killed it in this role. I think she was one of the best parts of this movie. And just because she did it for the money doesn't take anything away. She actually, uh, you know, she brought it. Just like Puff Daddy, she was all about the Benjamins. I was going to say that because I love Puff Daddy as much as you do. Uh, so next up, we have <laughs> Dr. Dureth. If you're a fan of Brad Dureth, as I am, you know exactly what this is all about. You can uh, you can kind of tell immediately that this is going to be your favorite character. He yeah, is a, Critters 4. He's a mad scientist. He's a quack doctor. He's a sexual deviant. He's an unashamed pervert. He's a zoophile, a window licker, and a big sticky mud pie. Yeah, I'm pretty sure at one point he wants to fuck a xenomorph in it. Yeah, yeah, that's what all those words meant. Yeah, he's a, yeah. he wants to have sex with aliens. Just to that's, why he, that that's, that's, that's why he bred them. Yep, for fucking. For fucking. And he couldn't do that alone, so uh, along for the ride, we have a man that I just called Dr. Dipshit. Oh, Ren! Yeah, this is Duriff's assistant doctor. He's an asshole. He is yep. a close talker, a company man, a condescending betrayer, and an alien antagonizer. He just reminds me of like those crooked cops from the like the old timey movies from New York yeah. City. Well, yeah, he's a he's a douchebag. Yeah, okay. He's the type of guy uh, that you really can't trust. He's got ill motives, ill communication. He is Dr. Dipshit in Alien Resurrection, and he's going to be probably one of your most hated characters throughout the course of this film. And he was in the Beastie Boys? Allegedly. Oh, okay. Next up, we have a character that I dubbed Colonel Cross-Eye. Oh, this fucking guy. He is the commander of the USM Origa. I think that's how you yep. pronounce that. Probably. a hothead, a simpleton, a roughneck, but he is also a backdoor dealer and a shoulder hair cultivator. 
God, he's so hairy. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll talk about it when we get to the scene, but his hair was actually a problem on set. Okay. Yeah. There's a story right. about that. He had he had a lot of body hair. Yeah. Of course, moving on, we have someone that I just called Pearl Man. Ah, yes. Who's played by Ron Perlman. So yes. we, can probably just, we can probably just call him Perlman. Perlman. Yeah, he's a fighter, a smuggler, a criminal, an alcoholic, a misogynist, an acrobat. And I don't think I really need to say it, but he is more animal than man. More animal than man? And as a side note, pretty sure he plays for the Washington Generals. Oh. Yeah. Okay. He's bad at basketball is what I'm getting at. Oh, sports humor. I don't know if you can really call that sports. It's, it's more like theater. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he is a thespian. Are you familiar with the Harlem Globetrotters? Did that joke just not land? Oh, do, 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 Yeah, I know that. Uh, that's not the song at all, but yeah, I, I get what you're. I get what you're saying. <laughs> Don't worry, <laughs> be happy. <laughs> is that their theme? No. <laughs> Robin have, Williams is in that. They have their own theme. It's the Globetrotters theme. They typically play against uh, the an incompetent Boys. team known as the Washington Generals, who are prone to losing and being uh, mesmerized by their incredible basketball prowess. <laughs> so what I'm saying is this character, Perlman, has a significant basketball scene in which he is not great at basketball. That was... I uh, okay. You know, it's the jokes okay. are a lot funnier if I don't have to explain them for five minutes. Yes, that was that channel. I'm right? sorry, Greg. I don't understand sports. Thank you. Continue. So our next character up is uh, Winona. Winona. Do you know who who plays this character? Uh, that one lady that did a bunch of shoplifting. Yeah, Winona Judd. Um, yep. She is a curious rookie with a big heart. She's a terrorist, a paranoid newbie, a budding bisexual, an altruist, a robot, and as you mentioned, a big old shoplifter. Yeah, with a haircut like that, you know she eats muff. You know she's either a, a robot or a fucking... So then, of course, we have Wheeler. Oh, Wheels! Yeah, he is a Frenchman, a paraplegic mechanic, a shotgun assembler, a human backpack, he shits in a bag, and he's a burden on everyone around him. He is also, he plays the clone scientists from the aforementioned uh, City of Lost Children. Oh, good. This is a Jean-Paul Junet actor. Oh, it's oh, his buddy. Along with Ron Perlman and a couple other people. Like, they, they've all worked together before. Yeah, Guillermo del Toro. So next we have someone I just called Legs. And I don't know if you can see where this is going, but this, yeah. is, this is the girl smuggler. Oh. Not her. a lot to her. Unfortunately, she is a pilot, a weak swimmer, a poor breath holder, and really all she does is have sex with our next character, who is uh, someone I'm going to call Top Dollar. Oh, the bad guy from The Crow. (laughs) There you go. I knew you. Hey, all right. Fire it up. (laughs) (laughs) He is cocky, sarcastic. He's a black market body dealer. He's a smoker, a joker, a goddamn midnight toker. 
And as you said, he is the bad guy from The Crow. Top dollar. Top dollar. I don't know what else he's been in. Probably a bunch of shit, but... We all know him from The Crow, and that's it. He had long hair, and he wanted to double kill a rock star. I don't know what his actual motivations were. I think it was probably just cocaine. In this one, <laughs> sort of similar. Space cocaine. Yeah, he's he's kind of the... Um, he's like the leader of our, our smuggler crew. Which isn't... The, it's not to detract from his sidekick, who I called Bank Shots. He is a dreadlocked sharpshooter. He has guns hidden in every hole and flap on his body. He is Wheeler's best friend, and he is a physics genius. Ah. Yeah. He can shoot anything from any angle because he's just that good. I just called him Lenny Kravitz. So next up, um, you're going to know who this is right away. It's a little character that I called Tuco. Tuco Scorpio. He is a guy who tags along with the smugglers. He does pretty much nothing. Uh, he was in Breaking Bad, and he's an actual method in real life. Oh. Allegedly. Okay, cool. Not a not a real major role or character, but worth noting because uh, I think we all know and love Breaking Bad. He was in that. You know, I never watched Breaking Bad. Oh, well, go fuck yourself. He was too cool. <laughs> Moving on. We're down to minor characters here. Purvis. Which I didn't even give him a nickname because the name Purvis is hilarious to me in itself. He yeah. is an unfrozen husk of a man. He is a frantic incubator, an alien womb, a xenomorph skin suit, a hollowed out alien pinata. You get it. He's a guy who's got a fucking chest burster inside of him. What's it fucking inside me? Yeah, he doesn't know, but he probably should, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah, it's really not much of a mystery. When he gets introduced to the plot, you just know that something's going to pop out of him at some point. He's a little bit of a human spoiler. we got one character left. Last, but certainly not least, I would be remiss if I did not mention Gooby. Gooby? Gooby. Oh, fuck off. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> Gooby is a sticky, pale, sloppy gooball. He is the product of unholy copulation between man and alien beast. Yeah, uh, Brad fuck the queen. <laughs> to put it uh, succinctly, he is a living abortion. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He is kind of the star of this film, if you ask me. I had another name for that character. What was it? Ben Shapiro. What the fuck? I'm not, to get poli- I'm not getting political, but for some fucking reason, that thing reminded me of Ben Shapiro. When he popped out of the alien abdomen uh when he was born he was like my wife has never been wet in her life a dry vagina is a healthy vagina debate me debate me debate me (laughs) my wife's a doctor she has better things to do than orgasm she's out there saving lives oh you did this to yourself ben (laughs) you know i know you're a big fan of dts and you're listening ben shapiro lied about his height i don't doubt that but he's he's five foot four in real life, and okay. on every bio he has, he's five foot eleven. That's a kind of a big gap. That's a big gap, bro. No, no way, I believe he's five eleven. No, he's walking around. He's fucking. Uh, uh, he's a little bit taller than Glenn Danzig, uh, but he's like Tom Cruise size. So is Peter Dinklage, <laughs> <laughs> who's also in this movie. All right, so let's get to the opener, my friend. Okay, we uh, open on the USM Auriga, which is a medical research vessel 200 years after the last fucking alien movie. 
Yeah, when Sigourney Weaver dropped into a vat of, of hot magma. She Terminator 2'd herself uh, in a sacrificial climax. Alien 3, also known as the worst alien movie, in my opinion. Climax? What are you, my dad? <laughs> I think I, I heard him in the background when you said that. <laughs> 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 Damn, that's scary. <laughs> so we open with a naked clone child. Before we get to the naked clone child, okay. we start panning in and we have two guards that are standing at each side of this door. They're holding rifles and I don't know if you noticed this, but they are in sync. Chewing gum. I did not notice that. It was Although that cr- is very Jean-Paul Junet. It, they, it's, it's, it's like robotic. They're like, chew, 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 chew. And it's at the same fucking time. Wow, I did not notice that, but I love it. Good little detail. I got an eye for this type of thing, Greg. All right. And I know you got a, like an even better eye for naked clone children. So that's why I want oh. to mention that one. God, are you trying to make me Ben Shapiro all over myself? (laughs) We quickly time-lapse into adult Ripley, who is being operated on by Dr. Dourif. Dr. Dourif. He removes an alien fetus from her abdomen. As this is going on, Ren! Ren is over Chucky's shoulder going, Careful. Careful. Yeah, Dr. Dipshit's a little bit of a fucking pain in the ass in this movie. You may have it's noticed. Like, it's like a Brad Dorf is like, no fucking shit. Of course I'm going to be careful. I'm pulling a xenomorph queen out of a 200-year-old corpse. Yeah, of course I'm going to be fucking careful. And this is precision work because he seriously just can't stop coming. Ever. Ever. Through this entire movie. Everything he does it just has him completely aroused. He's just like, I'm having another one. Uh. <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna go! Uh. Ejaculating over surgery? What are you, my dad? (laughs) Yeah, so uh, they seal her up, and Brad Dorff is just like, hey, can we keep her? Shortly after, Ripley awakens in a cocoon and is examined again by Dr. Dorff. And he's just, I have to say, he's hiding a boner this entire time while he's giving her a full alien physical. Uh, she kind of loses control for a second, and she is quickly tasered after attacking Dr. Dipshit, who, uh, as usual, was just hanging over the shoulder of Dr. Dourif. And we find out that she's both aggressive and a little bit of a Wolverine healer, which is kind of suspicious. And apparently she has memory of who she was. Yeah, I think um, I think there is an extended cut of this film where she does recount her memory of Newt. From Aliens? Okay, I, I heard about that, but I have yet to watch that version. Do you did you watch that version? I've seen it, yeah. She um she she talks about how um she knows that there was a child in her past that she cared about and that she was protective over, but she can't remember her name. And that's kind of the that's like the stinger here is she's the same DNA, but she doesn't quite have the exact uh, recollection. Could it be Newt or her actual daughter? Because Ripley did have an actual daughter. Because there, there's, there's Newt, always Newt was a sort gap. of a stand-in for the daughter. And anyone yeah, who's played uh, Alien: Isolation, you know that in that just masterpiece of a of a game, you play as Ripley's daughter. So she does okay. have a a canon continuation 
uh, storyline. It's a very good point. It, it could have so, been either or. It, it could have been either or, but I, I love that Ripley always has gaps in her uh, in her life where there's that gap between Alien and Aliens. It was, what, 60 years? Yes. And uh, at this point, I believe it was about 200. This so was 200. Everyone she ever cared about is long dead. Oh, oh, yeah, they're gone. Yeah. But the little bit, the little echo of a memory I thought was kind of a cool connection. So if you have, if anyone out there listening gets a chance, do watch the extended cut. There is some, some worthwhile stuff in it. Cool. Yeah. So Colonel Cross-Eye decides to come in and have a little talk with Dr. Duriff about the cloning project that they're doing. It hey. turns out that this Ripley is number eight. Did you just grab my ass? I did. Yeah. Okay. They take a little bit of a walk and they observe an alien queen that they have cloned. Her Majesty. Colonel Cross, I think this thing needs to die immediately because he is very, um, let's say, smart. Colonel Cross, I doesn't want the queen to die immediately. He wants Ripley to die. Yeah, I think he just he doesn't really like having the aliens around. He does the whole like if she looks at me funny, she's terminated. Point being, Doctor Duriff wants to keep them all because he's just it was the fuck him. Yeah, he's like a pig and shit. He's got these aliens everywhere. He's just constantly, constantly aroused by them. Yeah, these are right? a bunch of Cardi B's. So our Ripley clone warns the doctors that everybody is eventually going to die at the hands of her and the queen. She'll and, bleed, uh, you die. Yeah, and she's right, but they don't really want to listen. It's clear uh, at this point that she is not the same Ripley that we know and love from the past feature films. Correct. Just clone number eight. That implies that there are seven other failed clones that we have yet to meet. But it also implies that Bruce Dickinson came in from lead singer of Iron Maiden and said, Who are you? The new number two. Number eight. You are number six. I am not a number. I, I am, am a, a free, free man. man. The evil that men do lives on and on. <laughs> no singing. No singing. <laughs> no singing. That is a good song, though. They're both very good songs. Iron Maiden fucking rules. At this point, a crew of mercenaries are preparing to dock with the Auriga. Pearl Man playfully throws a knife into his friend's leg, which is played off as funny. I thought it was funny. He's doing a little ah, 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 bit. He's acting like an ape, and he's yeah. throwing knives into the limbs of his paraplegic mechanic, who is, of course, yeah. a wheeler. I guess Wheeler doesn't really take it as an offense. He's just kind of used to it, which makes me think that this is just kind of a regular occurrence around this ship. Honestly, if I was a paraplegic, I, that would be my bet. I mean, I, I suppose you don't feel it, but you do have to worry about, like, bleeding out, right? And, like, you know, gangrene and shit. You can't just take throwing knives to your femoral artery once a day and, you know, <laughs> just because the other guy that lives on your ship thinks it's funny. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty funny. But, you know, what? it turns out he's fine. They don't address it ever again for the rest no, of the film. No, ever again. He takes a major uh, knife wound to the leg, and it's just like, whatever, we'll pull it out. Wynonna well, kind of briefly scolds him for doing so, but... Yeah, they, real buzzkill. They don't really go in-depth into it. No. So, Top Dollar is now meeting with Colonel Cross-Eye, and they discuss, I guess, the transaction that these smugglers have arrived for, which is the exchange of human bodies... Yeah, apparently the cargo that these uh, smugglers brought on board is a cargo of, what, 13 bodies? For human experimentation. 
And I don't yeah. know if they specifically know what it's for, but Top Dollar suspects that it's a little shady. So Top Dollar uh, is asking for room and board for a couple days. Yeah. And General Cross-Eye goes, me casa, su casa. But before this, he asks Top Dollar if he would uh, if he drinks. And that's where Top Dollar, with his raspy, let me, let me kill Mr. Voice, goes, eh, constantly. Yeah. And he's got a nice little, like, cube of, what is it, like... Whiskey. Freeze-dried whiskey. Yeah. That he melts into his little glass. It's kind of cool. It's like a little... Uh, I, I actually instant, like that gag a lot. Instant whiskey shot. There's a lot of little gags like that in this film. That is the most... Other than the cloning, that is the most futuristic thing about this movie because everything else looks extremely primitive to a point where I believe they show a video game that looks like it's actually from the 64. Yeah, well, they're they're going for the whole kind of raw, like, space trucker look of the first one. You know, like, it's okay. it's future... But it's all, you know, it's all gears and pistons and kind of steampunk, but not quite. Kind of steampunk. Everything's steamy. Yeah, it's, it's a very steamy, wet, pipe-filled movie. Very a lot of pipe. And you know, that's a, that's a Junet thing. That's a that's a Junet look. That's pretty much why he was uh, why he was brought on to direct this. They're now delivering uh, the bodies that they brought to be experimented on, and it turns out what's going on on this ship is that they are just in turn. Stuffing alien eggs into the pods and watching them get infested. If these eggs are extra wiggly in this movie. That was actually um, a specific point being made by Junet. He see, he had the opinion that the eggs in the first alien movie were way too static. So he wanted his eggs to be much more uh, vibrant and, uh, I don't know, energetic, I guess. Is Rounder, wigglier. Yeah, they, he wanted the eggs to have more of a presence. See, I gotta, I gotta disagree with him because I like the uh, idea of a very still egg, and then all you have opening is the top. Yes, and I agree with that because the way I look at it, when you, uh, well, let me put it this way: when you see, let's say, like a spider, like a big nasty ass spider, just sitting somewhere in your house, like on your wall, to me, it's way more terrifying when it's just still. Yeah. And poised and ready to pounce. Then if it's like shaking all over and like wiggling like a fucking clown. Yeah, like know? a cat like a cat shaking its butt when it it's drops that, down. You know the cat's gonna st- pounce. The stillness in the deliberate movement of the eggs in the first one I think was key. So I, I definitely agree with you on that. Bingo. Um but I I did uh I did read somewhere that Janae did that on purpose. He wanted these eggs to be different from the first one. So maybe uh I don't know, depending on your opinion, might be a misstep. Maybe some people like it better. I would say I like the, the eggs in the first one though. It's also two hundred and sixty years in the future and these aren't exactly organic. I mean, these were all made from a clone. Yeah, they're all bullshit clone eggs. So, you know, so something... maybe they maybe they're different. I, I look at it as like they're different because they're like you said, bullshit clone eggs. And there's probably a little bit of Dr. Duraf semen like in that batch when they cloned them. So who even knows? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Who knows if the the little uh, face hugger that pops out of there might even have his face? Oh, he's but he spadoinkled mm. all over that queen. <laughs> Chucky face huggers just popping out. Want to play? So this is where Pearlman challenges Ripley to a game of horse. And she flirts with him briefly and eventually just kicks his ass. This basketball scene is actually incredibly awkward for me. It's weird. It does. It's, um, you know what it is? 
it's it's mid to late nineties extreme. It's Let reminiscent pre- of the basketball scene in Escape from LA for me. Ah, very good. You know? Yeah. Uh, same year, right? I uh, say with a hundred percent confidence that it is the exact same year, and I uh, I'm actually not going to fact check it. Yeah, I'm not going to fact check it. I'm uh, I'm going to say that Escape from LA is the same year that Resurrection came out. You are correct, sir. Hell yeah. Undoubtedly. But this this whole basketball scene's weird. Uh, Ron Perlman takes a basketball to the dick. You got Lenny Kravitz from CSI. He gets knocked the fuck out. Yeah, he like he smacks Sigourney Weaver in the face with a weight set. Yeah, he, uh, he gets fucked up. He palms the basketball and clubs him with it like it's a fucking boulder. Yeah. She lays him out on the floor and then makes the infamous behind-the-back shot. Just yeah. like Snake Plissken. This is kind of the thing that everybody talks about from this film. We all know the legend. We all know the story. The rumor is that she made this shot on the first take. Just walking away, just tossed it, worked out fine. Everybody was impressed. But I'm sorry, I'm going to have to burst your bubble here a little bit. The reality is it took a lot of takes to make this happen. And this actually was the very last one in which the director, Jean-Paul Jeunet, told her, you know what, Sigourney, we don't have all day here. We've been doing this. We're wasting a lot of film. I'm going <laughs> to give you one more. Just You get one more chance at this. Yeah. If it doesn't work, doesn't work. We're going to do our backup plan, which is you throw it. We have a second person. Just drop it in the net. Yeah. And Sigourney said, you know what? I've been practicing this for some time. Can't let that go to waste. Yeah. And to her credit, she did actually do it. She made the shot. She had one chance left before uh, everyone just cut her off but it did take a couple. Hey, God bless her. She is on record saying this is one of the most exhilarating moments of her life, uh, just behind her wedding day and the birth of her daughter. Holy shit. Yeah, <laughs> which I, I can understand. I mean, that's kind of a big fucking deal. I mean, everyone on set burst into applause when she made that shot. That's awesome. And they actually, they had to do a little bit of editing around it. There's a quick shot of Ron Perlman or as we call him, Pearl Man, just bursts into a wide smile when he wasn't supposed to. He was actually supposed to be kind of angry in this scene. But he cracks a smile, and they kept it in because it was just it was such a surprise to everybody that she made it. That shot was nothing but net. Yeah, it was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. And real. So, yes. kudos to you, Sigourney. You know, you've done a lot of great things in your career, but this one was... Uh, yeah, like Heartbreakers. It was a high. Well, I was going to say Heartbreakers. It was one of my favorite. The um, Jennifer Love Hewitt classic. Yes. She has great tits. Yeah. Also famous for I Know What You Did Last Summer. And her and tits. And her tits. Yep. So after uh, after this, this wonderful basketball scene, we get a shot of legs, and uh, we finally get to see the only nudity of the movie. If you don't count the weird clone coming up, uh, we see some booty followed by top dollar giving booty, uh, booty legs, a uh, foot massage. Yeah. And then after that, we get to, uh, uh, the old, uh, the old cripple stealing some goods on the ship. Yeah. Cause they're all here for nefarious reasons, but who gives a fuck about that? Let's get to the fucking actual xenomorphs. Well, this is, uh, a, this is probably the next most famous scene from this film where Dr. Duriff has a touching, albeit perverse, sexual moment with a xenomorph. Oh, my God. He makes out with it prison-style through a glass window. 
Oh, he straight up cable guys it, sticks his nipple on the glass and goes, oh, Billy. Unfortunately, uh, the xenomorph cockblocks him by trying to bite his face. He feels rejected and hits a large red button to gas it. By but, gas it, it is totally T-1000 liquid nitrogen fucking spray shit. But it seems that the xenomorph resists it somehow. I'm not actually sure how, but it's clear that it is adapting to his captivity. Yeah. Clever girl. Clever girl. Clever girl. <laughs> and he was uh, taken aback by this. This is the only movie that actually has the xenomorph's breath come out as frost. Which is a nice touch, if you ask me. It is a nice touch. It shows that the xenomorphs are uh, cold-blooded creatures to the point that they're so cold-blooded, even though that their blood is fucking acid. It shows that they can survive in the void of space, I think. That's Bingo. Yeah. yeah. They can crawl around outside your ship if they want to. They're the perfect species. Yeah, it's fucked up and terrifying. So, next up, we have Winona wandering the ship. She is... Uh, Undoubtedly looking for something to shoplift. But she comes to a security door that she decides to hack with a special little keychain of sprays that she has. Yeah, uh, where the fuck did she get this Banaka spray? She apparently has one that simulates the eye signature of the commander of this ship, which seems like really oddly specific. But not going to question it. She hacks this door with Colonel Cross-Eye's passcode, and ends up in Ripley's cell, where she offers to kill her and end her misery. Oh, but instead of that, we get a lot of sexual tension. (laughs) Ripley rejects this idea and offers a different idea, which is, let's have some hot, with two T's, alien sex. So these two start scissoring each other, and while they're scissoring each other, yeah. Nona pulls the knife out. Uh, Ripley pushes the knife through her hand, mm-hmm. and that's where we finally get the uh, reveal that Sigourney Weaver is also part xenomorph. Which I, uh, I, that I she, can't help but note is a clear penetration reference. It is totally like, hey, this is us fucking. Yeah, knife, we're, we're, we're stabbing each other. So you could scissor your timbers all day, but when you full penetrate like that, yeah. you know business is picked up. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I feel like this is a this is an odd philosophical metaphor for the idea that cloning, while it can create life, it is imperfect. Yep. I don't know where I'm going with it. I don't know either. Did you ever read Frankenstein? Yeah. You know how there's that the whole idea that man created man in the absence of woman? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of weird. I feel like they're they're going for something kind of akin to that, but not quite. Like the they're they're like cutting uh they're cutting one party out of like the reproduction process. Interesting. Uh you know what I mean though? You know what I'm talking about? I, I... No. Maybe. It was that's that's like all the that's like the deeper undertone behind Frankenstein is like the the creation of life without Intercourse. Uh, yeah, intercourse. Yeah. Also, uh, for some reason, I have Teenage Wasteland stuck in my head right now. I don't know if that's related or not. Mm, yeah, totally. I, I think Mary Shelley actually wrote that song. That's what she was thinking. She was in Huitus. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
So uh, after after the scissoring, after the penetration, after uh-huh. the fact that we find out that Sigourney Weaver's blood is actually acidic, and she explains that she could feel the queen behind her eyes and all that, and that she's somehow connected to the queen. Uh, the presence of the hive. The hive! Winona Ryder, she, after she's done shoplifting, she gets accosted by security. She is quickly uh, apprehended by Dr. Dipshit. Turns yeah. out, the jig is up. He accuses Winona of being a terrorist with a mission to destroy everyone on the ship. So they pull everyone into the workout room where Sigourney Weaver was shooting hoops. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, this is where they go, you know what? You bring a terrorist on board, you're all going to die with her. But this part is so man's game where Ron Perlman, uh, I'm sorry, Pearl Man has Pearl a man. gun to the back of his head. And he turns around, snatches the gun, points it at this, uh, the officer and says, don't ever touch me again. But then hands the gun back to him. Super badass, right? It is so badass. Yeah, Ron Perlman, uh, he's he's fantastic in this. Pearl man. Uh, so they're they're basically uh they're all about to be executed, but before this can happen, Bankshot decides to step up. Oh, Lenny Kravitz? Yeah, he pops out some hidden pistols. Yeah, just like Taxi Driver. Literally inspired by Taxi Driver, according to the director. Yeah. And he bank shots everyone to death. You talking to me? Which is to say, he talks to everyone. One of the Oh, time. he talks to everyone. By bouncing bullets off of every pipe and wall and corner in this fucking room. And this is this is where they got to spend a little bit of their CGI budget. And yeah. this is where the movie gets a little bit silly. I would a say, little bit. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that a lot of the criticisms of this film center around this character entirely. I agree. Yeah. Because uh, aside from this dude, and I'm not, I'm not going to say I don't like it because it is fun. It's a good time. But it is the goofiest part of this whole movie. And it's this dude just bouncing bullets. Um, and this isn't, the, this isn't the only time it happens. Nope. It'll happen again. Yeah. Um, but it, it gives him a brief moment where it kind of zooms in on his face and, and it shows him like calculating, like looking at the walls and like. Yeah, like that out, meme. Like, yeah, like where do, I, where do I put this bullet in order to hit the guy that's behind me and 10 feet back? Yeah, just like Angelina Jolie in that movie where she curves bullets. Oh, yeah, Mr. and Mrs. Smith? Yeah, sure. I don't fucking know. I haven't seen it. But anyway, Bankshot is a fucking sharpshooting pro, and he ends up just putting a bullet through the top of his captor's head, which basically cues all of his smuggler friends into action. Yeah. They quickly take control of the situation. The hunters become the hunted, and... All of a sudden, our smugglers have control of the ship. That's what they think, because apparently the Xenomorphs, has an, have, they have another idea. And that's that they're going to be the ones that control the ship. And in doing so, we got two Xenomorphs in a chamber teaming up to bully another Xenomorph to death in order for them to escape. They are just incredibly wet looking in this film. And there's, also, there's a theme smart. going yeah, the uh, the xenomorphs are just dripping, just secreting constantly in this one. They decide to fuck each other up in this holding cell. They decide there's only one way out of here, and sorry, Larry, but you're the weak one in the bunch. You're going to yeah. have to die. Damn, that's Larry. So the two of them, <laughs> they team up, they take out little Larry, and they stab him with their mouth penises 
to death. And they and of course blood to burn a hole in the floor. Yeah. Kind of smart. Considering, considering that this facility has basically been designed to house and contain these alien life forms in that Dr. Duriff has obviously studied them and should probably know what he's doing here. Did not put any precautions in place to stop the blood from burning holes in their cell. Nope. So easy escape for these xenomorphs. And just like that, they escape. Dr. Duriff looks on in disbelief. He knows at this point everybody's fucked. He gets xenomorphed immediately. Oh, he got xenomorphed so hard. He gets uh, pulled so... into a xenomorph hole. We hear a triumphant roar. <laughs> and Ripley hears the call and perks up in her cell. And not just Ripley, but Perez, uh, the colonel, general guy, uh, General Cross Eyes, he wakes up. I remember now I saw this movie in 97 in the theaters yep. and I remember there was this guy a few rows behind me that just went, oh, fuck he Harry. And he is correct. Yeah, because uh, this is the point where all hell just breaks loose on the Auriga. The smugglers decide that it's time to just get the fuck out. But Colonel Cross High, I guess, just kind of rises from a deep sleep. Yeah. And he has the hairiest shoulders I've ever seen on a man. Like, he is, he is, he's half ape. He's hairier than Robin Williams. Which is saying a lot. And the funny yeah. thing is, they actually tested this scene. They showed this to test audiences where he wasn't wearing the shirt. Yeah. And people laughed. They had to edit this scene. They had to reshoot it with a shirt on. Because test audiences read this as a comedic scene. Because he was so goddamn hairy. Wow. Which I would think your solution might be, I don't know, maybe shave this guy. <laughs> like, maybe get rid of some of the hair. I, I, Maybe he had it in his contract that he just doesn't do that. It was 97. But... We didn't shave men then. <laughs> a little bit of manscaping. So no. apparently the quick fix was throw a shirt on him. It'll only be half funny. We'll see his shoulders. We'll be a little distraught by it, but it'll be more disturbing than hilarious. So, yeah. happy medium there. And I, you know, I'd say it kind of worked out because as funny as I thought that was, I walked away from it scarred for life. <laughs> anyway, after a tragic series of events involving escape pods and crew members uh, desperately trying to leave the Auriga, Colonel Crosseye finds himself in a situation where he has to summarily execute some of his crew members. This is sad. You can tell he takes no pleasure in it. But as he turns around, he realizes that his life is quickly coming to an end. A general cross-eyes looks suspiciously like Jeffrey Combs here. Yes. I was going to say that. You noticed that too? Yeah. Yeah, he's got yeah, that Yeah, he look. looked a lot like uh, Jeffrey Combs. So he's gone. He gets that, that mouth penis through the back of his head. It's like if Jeffrey uh, Combs was a werewolf. Exactly. But he, uh, he gets xenomorphed through the back of his head, but he does retain consciousness just long enough to uh, feel behind him and produce a little bit of his brain. He's the comic relief of the movie. I think they, yeah, I think they, they played that for laughs, definitely. Oh, no doubt about it. Uh, well, this is going on. Wheels is wheeling around, and he assembles a shotgun with parts of his wheelchair, which I thought was really clever. 
Yeah, there was sort of a theme going where this whole crew of smugglers had hidden weapons. And he hidden no exception. weapons, yep. His, his weapon is a little bit more elaborate, so he has to, uh, as you said, rip pieces off of his wheelchair and assemble them into a double-barreled steampunk shotgun. Uh, and he screams out as he shoots a xenomorph that's right above him on a level above, which, of course, the floor is those grates. And he screams... The usual. He screams... I'll give you whole slimy bastard. Yeah, and it should be noted this is um this is a French actor and he is not good at English. I'll so, give you whole slimy bastard. So a lot of his lines, I'm not sure he actually really knew what he was saying. I think he was uh, pronouncing things phonetically in English. Okay. Um, and there's a there's another scene in a little bit where uh, where that becomes apparent, but. It turns out that his dead legs are a major disadvantage when it comes to fighting aliens. So he has nothing to do but sit there in his chair and shoot at the xenomorphs as they run around in the grates above him. He gets a little bit of their blood dripped on him. Turns out that's kind of an inconvenience, a little bit of a nuisance. But he does manage to survive impressively. He does. And we cut to Ripley back in her cell who, like a just a stone-cold badass, decides it's time to escape. I'm going to tear a hole in the wall and use my blood to short out the security door. Just like Jesus. <laughs> exactly like Jesus. And I feel like this is a reference. This is a stigmata reference. It totally is. But she is finally free to roam the ship and have all the alien sex that she ever wanted to. Oh, she's so horny. Which is uh, perfect for Top Dollar, who is now wandering cautiously down a hallway. He's thinking, you know what? Little alien sex might do me uh, do me good right now. He's carrying like six rifles. Which oh, I yeah, I was just going to say, he has every gun in the movie right now. But for some reason, he still can't resist picking up a slime-covered pistol that he sees on the floor. It's like a video game to him. He's walking over ammo. He's walking over guns. Yeah, he's like Doom Guy. You know what he's not walking over? Health. Because instead he walks over the opposite, which is death. Yeah, well, he walks directly over a xenomorph, which pulls him down into the floor through the grates and quickly splashes the tiny mouth head alien. What do you call that? Little second mouth, little little biter? The penis. Yeah, it eats his dick. Every part of a xenomorph is a dick. Okay, so the, the, the xenomorph's dick, without delay, eats Top Dollar's dick, and his friends show up just in time to see Ripley blasting through his body. Oh, the old uh, shotgun through the torso bit. For some reason, she was <coughs> underneath, the, underneath the floor as well. I don't totally understand what she was doing down there. Oh, just like an Edgar Allan Poe poem. Ripley's here! Under the floorboards! Yeah, the Telltale Ripley. She shoots the xenomorph that just killed Top Dollar, but she does it by sticking a gun through his stomach yep. and then shoots the xenomorph with it, which I, I feel is a little unnecessary, but it is dramatic. None of his friends really seem to care that she just defiled his body that way. So uh, I'm going to go on... Uh, I'm just going to go off and say it. Winona Ryder... Is a terrible actress. Yeah, she's never been any good. No. And her response to this is like, Valley Girl, what the fuck? That's kind of her, that's that's her style. Never been big on talent. Honestly, I'm not really sure why she kept landing roles in the 90s. I don't know either. 
It wasn't a Tim Burton movie. It wasn't the Heathers. It wasn't the Crucible. But somehow she landed this part. Oh, Heathers is fantastic, by the way. It's a great movie. Fuck me gently with the chainsaw. So this is where Winona warns them not to trust Ripley. Because she tells everybody she's part of the experiment. She's half alien. She is not one of us. It's only a matter of time before she murders us all. She tried to scissor me back in that cell. Seems a little classless, if you ask me. They shared a moment. She kind of just blew her up to everybody else. And also, this is the part where Ripley goes, who do I have to fuck to get off of this boat? Yeah, she's got a little bit of an attitude in this one. Yeah, Ron Pearl, uh, the, the Pearl Man replies with a, I can get you off. Maybe not the boat, but... I can get you off. That That's kind of his attitude through a lot of it. Because where, um, that's who I want to have sex with, Sigourney Weaver. Eh, only in the sense that she kind of looks like Glenn Danzig. That's the only reason I'd ever, uh, you know, be interested in that whole thing. God damn it. I, Sigourney Weaver looks like my mom. Who, in turn, looks like Glenn Danzig. Yep. Which... Through the transitive property means that I would gladly uh, have sex with your mother. <laughs> I'm attracted to Glenn Danzig is what I'm getting at. And it's mostly yep. because of his music and uh, the fact that I'm a little taller than him. I'm the wolf. Makes me feel like a big man. Yeah, it should. That wolf blood. All that wolf blood, bones and hair. So now that Winona has called out Ripley as an alien, Bankshot makes the stupid stupid asinine argument that he trusts no one so she should come with us yep i don't really understand his logic but yeah it's kind of weird yeah right they're kind of arguing about whether or not ripley should be their friend or not and he is not making some sense he's literally the worst part of the movie yeah that's um that's quickly becoming clear i used to watch csi and he was also the worst part of CSI. Mm, yeah. Turns out he's just kind of poison to every production he's involved in. Yep. You know what? I don't want to be entirely negative about this. He adds fun to a movie that didn't really need fun. Okay, yeah. It's a big I, budget B movie. I think if he wasn't in this, it would have been less B and more A. Okay. It would have been more credible. I guess what I'm saying is guy who plays bank shot... Uh, Lenny Kravitz or whatever your real name is, you removed all credibility from Alien Resurrection with I'm your here presence. For that. I'm being here for there. that. Yeah. Yep. You ruined it. You fucked it. You ruined it. Sorry. Yeah. I, I, this this particular actor ended up with a a bad drug problem. That's why he left CSI. Okay. Yeah. Well, I hope you get better. I don't know how he's doing now. I also don't really care. I don't so, give a shit. After everybody walks away, Ripley pulls out the tiny alien head from the mouth of the now deceased alien and hands oh, the, it to Winona. The penis. Yes, and I have to wonder, is this a dildo joke? I think this is a dildo joke. I am pretty sure it's a dildo joke. Yeah, she rips the little wiener head out of the mouth, gives it to her and says, hey, uh, here's a little souvenir for you. You might need this. And Winona's uh, like, I reluctantly accept. I don't want to admit that I want this, but I'm going to put it in my pocket anyway, and we won't speak <laughs> of it again for the rest of the movie. She just, no, she, by pocket, you mean her prison pocket. She shoved yes. it up her pussy. 
Yes, that's really the only place to put it where uh, nobody else is going to steal it from her. Yeah, it just went, it was like a spaghetti strand that you slurp up. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, teeth first. So this is about the time that Ripley notices that the ship is in fact moving. Oh, because she could feel it because she has those sweet, sweet alien senses. Alien feelers. Dr. Dipshit reveals that emergency protocol has them heading back to Earth automatically. Which is kind of like, okay, does that mean like the origin of this ship was from Earth? Are we not? I thought we were past Pluto. I thought we were in uncharted space, international space waters. Yeah, apparently we're not. We're just orbiting the moon. Nobody's really thrilled about this. It seems uh, that the Earth of the future is actually just a total shithole. They all comment on it. but Earth, what a shithole. They say that they're going to be back in about three hours. Three hours! So apparently the technology of this universe has you going from beyond Pluto to Earth in three hours. I feel like they would at least feel some kind of car sickness from this. It takes me three days to fucking drive to where you are. Also, isn't this the point where a uh, door opens up and we we get wheels? Oh, we get wheels. And what does he say? Who you expect? Santa Claus? Which is hilarious because the original line in the script was, who did you expect? The Easter Bunny? <laughs> what? But because this actor is... Uh, just horrifically French and does not really understand English language outside of phonetics. She kept saying the Eastern Bunny, which had everybody on <laughs> set cracking up. So they had to change it to Santa Claus, which in turn is also kind of a tribute to a line that he says in City of Lost Children. He says the same thing to the same actor, which is Ron Perlman. Who did you expect? Santa Claus. Oh, no shit. Yeah, so it's kind of a little little continuity there. Greg, I'm going to have to watch this movie, though. I keep telling you to watch it, man. It's a great I movie. I know. I'm sorry. You watch all the movies I tell you to watch, and you tell me to watch this, and I'm like, ah, subtitles. The Derek Zoolander, Center for Kids Who Can't Read Good. So after we get the crip, uh, Holy Crip, it's a crapple. Who is it? Santa Claus? Three hours to Earth. What are you, my dad? We finally get to a part where... Ripley and uh, the whole gang are walking down a hallway, and she sees a sign that is labeled 1 to 7. And she yeah. looks at her arm, and she sees a tattoo number 8 on her, and she decides to go and investigate. Yes, because for a moment, all becomes clear. She was number 8! Uh, number 1, you got Sweetie Murtherman Jenkins, uh, who is in a glass tube. You got another one. In a tube, all kinds of fucked up. Now, mind you, may I tell you this? This is the best fucking part of the movie because the creature design of the Sigourney Weavers mixed with the Xenomorphs are just chef's kiss. Phenomenal. This is a whole circus sideshow, and number seven is a fucking mess. They're all, first off, they are all a fucking nightmare. Some of them... A little more fuckable than the other one, but the most fuckable one well, is number seven. This is in a, just an entire room full of weird Resident Evil mutant clone monsters suspended in tubes, and yep. they are all grotesque in their own ways. I guess number seven is laid out on a medical table. She has a chicken wing and a bunch of tubes running out of her body, and she is just quietly muttering the words, 
Kill me. Start the reactor. <laughs> but also kill me. You know she was kept alive so Brad Dorf could fuck her. Oh, of course. She did have a sheet over her lower half, and I think that was that was an important thing to note because Brad, he tore that shit up. Oh, because he's all about that Ripley Bush. Oh, which if terrible. you've seen the original Alien, you know she's got a lot of it. Oh, I haven't seen that. Is there? Is that a thing? Oh, she's like smuggling a pack of Brillo pads in there. Oh, is that is that movie any good? It's okay. A lot of bush. Gross. And a little bit of butt crack. Okay. Uh, this is where Ripley feels sympathy for her mutant clone brethren. Okay, she, you, say, you say sympathy. Matt? I say it's a big fuck you. Could be both, I guess. You, but... you know what would be better? No. Uh, so she takes a gun and you see a little flame light at the end of it and she blowtorches everything. Dude. That's fucking terrible. And she's crying. She has sympathy for all this. You know what's a lot less painful? A oh. bullet to the fucking head. Oh. Not being burned alive. Okay. I'm just saying. Dude, what a fucking asshole thing to do. I'm You're just gonna... kind of wondering where she got the flamethrower. <laughs> I'm kind of wondering why she decided to burn herself to death instead of just popping a cap in his fucking head. Well, because it was very emotional. I think the, the flames were a representation of her emotional state. Yeah, I get that. And the whole, like, oh, it's a cleansing, fire cleanses, whatever. It's all, but it's all visual. It's all a metaphor. It's all visual. It's all a metaphor. But at the same time, you're making your cloned self suffer even longer because burning to death is one of the worst ways to fucking die. You know what? It seems like that thing was suffering... In the worst possible ways, anyway. So even the oh, little... so fire felt good. Uh, possibly. That's all. I'm, fucking... That's all I'm saying. Possibly. You know what? Don't fucking defend number eight. Okay. Fire was a release. I'm not. Sure. I'm certainly not dis- defending number seven. Number seven. You're defending. A... Number seven was full of fucking Brad Dorf come. <laughs> number seven was a was a marshmallow. Number seven was incapable of uh, of literally anything productive. So you're saying she was a marshmallow so Sigourney Weaver had the right to make a fucking s'more out of her? To roast it, yes. That's what I'm getting at. That marshmallow Ah, needed to be roasted. ah, And the only way to roast a marshmallow is with fire, my friend. All right. Burn, bitch. Winona punches Dr. Gypshit straight in the face. It obviously doesn't hurt, but she needed to make a statement that she understands that this is all his fault. Pearl Man criticizes Ripley for wasting ammo in the flamethrower, which I can only agree with. I agree with him, too. Like you said, she probably could have just put a bullet in uh, each one of these Or you know what? Save the ammo. Put a fucking pillow over its face. Yeah, or just just hit it with your fists a bunch. Or snap its neck. You could have powerbombed each one of those clones. You could have gotten seven clean powerbombs into a steel medical table. It would have been great for everybody. It would have looked awesome. Could have shoved your thumb through a hole in its neck. Oh, that's dark. Yeah. Uh, That's harsh, man. So Tuco leads the way into a testing room full of bodies with holes in their chests. Nobody really seems to put two and two together right away until they meet Purvis. And Purvis obviously has an alien inside of him. Ripley very frankly tells him, that soon he's going to die screaming. 
Yep. And she, because she could smell it. She prolongs this. She gives him a very, very, very long description of how horrific his demise is going to be. Hey, man, she lived through it, okay? And, oh, uh, did you know that in Alien 3 when that, that chest that chest burster scene? Yeah. Yeah, Sigourney Weaver didn't want that. Why not? She wanted to fall into the magma herself. Okay. But the studio was like, no, we're going to add that thing bursting through your chest while you're falling. Okay. Oh, it's fucking studio always interfering with things. Yeah, but she she said that it took away from the uh, uh, the emotion of her committing suicide, making that sacrifice. I have to agree. Alien 3 is an abomination. Yes. It's an awful movie. Hey, that guy went on to do Fight Club, so whatever. For some reason, they decide to bring Purvis along with them, which seems like a big fucking mistake. It's just um, like our movie last week, where Bruce Campbell kept fucking getting everybody, every man, woman, and child to fucking come along with him on his mission. Well, what I'm saying is Ripley very obviously tells everybody, this guy is incubating an alien in his chest. And they're yeah. like, yeah, let's take him with us. Let's take him with us. We'll put him on ice. Doctor could operate later. This can only work out well. So yep. I guess they put that out of their minds for a moment and they end up in the cooling tanks, which are leaking everywhere. So yeah. this is where we get the flooded section of the ship. Bankshot uh, and this... straps Wheeler to his back and everyone wades yep. through chest deep water until it's time to swim. And so this is where we get some real sexual tension now between Bankshot and Wheels, which we've all been waiting for. Yeah, he basically, he, uh, he wears Wheeler like a backpack. Because this is really the only option. I mean, Wheeler's not going to swim, right? No, of course not. He can't, he can't kick. But he's uh, only slightly worse at swimming than Legs, who is terrified. Yeah. Because she's only good at sex and not swimming. She quickly falls behind as Pearlman battles aliens. His slow-motion Matrix-esque shooting of underwater xenomorphs is not enough to save her. We get a very cool alien underwater swimming scene, but unfortunately, Legs gets grabbed by her legs and is dragged away to her death, never to be seen again. To her watery grave. That's extra scary to me. Yeah, honestly, yeah. What a way to go. Right. Uh, Robert England said best, the stuff that you don't see is the scariest. Yeah. So our heroes surface in the middle of an egg nest. They realize, oh, this has been a trap the whole time. So finally, after all this fucking bullshit, about an hour and ten minutes of this movie, we finally get some fucking face huggers, which are my favorite part of the Alien franchise. I know why. Yeah, they're a bunch of penises. Yeah, because they, they jump on your mouth and force themselves down your throat, which is a thing that uh, you... Not that there's anything wrong with that. No, especially at a gas station in Reno, Nevada at 4 a.m. But this is where Bankshot bounces some grenades from underwater, through the surface of the water, off some pipes, off a wall, off the, the head of a small bald man, directly into the open mouth of the egg sacks and they blow up every one of these eggs blow up yeah i think he only shoots like two grenades but he manages to destroy all of them because he's just so we good. finally get 
after all this fucking time, we finally get some face huggers. Earlier in the movie, they tease them with just the eggs, but we mm-hmm. don't see the face huggers. So we see one face hugger, and it attacks Ripley, and it just kind of fucks off. And then they all get blown up by the guy from CSI. Yeah, further cementing the fact that this guy is the worst. He sucks. Super not cool, man. You, you, you ruin all the good parts of this movie. But with the uh, eggs cleared, they climb upward through a steamy shaft. <laughs> so steamy. <laughs> I thought you'd enjoy that. Let me say that yeah. one more time. A steamy shaft. They climb upwards through a steamy shaft. And Dr. Dipshit takes this moment to shoot Winona into the water. Right in the fucking chest. She falls in the water. Everybody freaks out. They start shooting at him. He goes through the door, whatever. He fucks off. Meanwhile, while this is going on, we got a xenomorph jumping out of the water. Yeah. Coming after Lenny Kravitz and Wheels. Yeah, Bankshot tries to fight off this xenomorph while climbing, but it's just dodging his bullets, which is a, this is a new ability I did not know they had. Uh, yeah, apparently it's just like that movie Snatch. Why do they call him the Bullet Dodger? Because he dodges bullets, Avi. Yeah, uh, pretty obvious. Boris the Bullet Dodger. <laughs> Boris the xenomorph. Clearly from Mother Russia. Bankshot basically sacrifices himself to save Wheeler. Yeah, because apparently Xenomorphs can spit acid now. Yeah, somehow they get all flip-flinged and flopped around. And it turns out that Wheeler is holding onto the ladder. Bankshot is hanging off of his back now. Because Xenomorphs are reptile for Mortal Kombat 2. That's pretty much what they're going for here. Yeah, they're they're lizards. Spitting lizards. I don't know what... what... Dilophosaurus. Yeah, that's when they killed Newman. Yeah, because uh, we're going to keep talking about Jurassic Park through this whole goddamn episode. Clever girl. Nobody cares. Good shit. So, yeah, the the alien is apparently Neo. He is the one. He's Agent Smith. He's dodging mm-hmm. bullets left and right. Ron Pearl, man, decides to hang upside down and starts shooting at the xenomorph and catches one one fucking bullet in the yep. xenomorph's giant skull. I am very, very fucking confused by these by the ammunition in this movie because apparently it causes Xenomorph's head to completely explode. Oh yeah, they're space guns. Okay. I think that's all you need to know. Space guns, got it. Shot him with a space gun. Notably, Ron Perlman did do his own stunts in this scene. He was actually hanging upside down and uh, I guess he he kind of injured the backs of his knees by hanging off that ladder. He kind of, he cut himself up a little bit. He's so badass. Yeah, he's the best, right? Perlman. Pearl Man. More animal than Pearl Man. So, they eventually get to the top of this steamy shaft. What the fuck? Winona's already up there waiting for him. Yeah, apparently she had a fucking shortcut. So, yeah. they didn't have to go swimming through all this bullshit. Nope. She found another way to get up there. Yep. And uh, she opens the door for everybody. And it's uh, obvious at this point that she's a goddamn synthetic. She's a what? She's a robot. You mean to tell me this whole time I've been wanting to fuck a robot? There ain't nothing wrong with that. The Japanese do it all the time. They sure do, and they're so good at math, just like Jeff Goldblum. But my question is, how did Ripley not know this before? She's smelling things, she's sensing movements of the ship. And she's... they scissored each other. Yeah, she's sensing aliens in uh, Purvis. How did she not understand you instinctively know... that this was a synthetic? 
And you know, every time Winona gooshed, it was like Bishop when he got the alien queen tail through his chest. Yeah, it's like it's just like Lubriderm coming out. It's like uh, <laughs> you, oh, you can moisturize with that. Just like shooting a can of WD-40 with a BB gun. It's like when you pump a little thing of hand sanitizer. You know, you just oh. <laughs> walk up to Winona he, like, yeah, let me get a little of that. <laughs> just grab her by the... Oh, quack, 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 quack. So Gordy Weaver goes, I knew it. No human being is that humane. Which what I a, hate that line so much. What a non-subtle commentary on the human condition. Yeah. It turns out the real monster, Greg, was man! That's so fucking French. It's so French, it pisses me off. Yeah. Freedom fries! Well, two on the nose. Take that yeah. statue back. Oh, boy. To Stefano, the other character that we haven't really talked about oh, at Tuco. all this entire night. Who? Tuco. Yeah, Tuco. He is way too fucking amped to find out that Sigourney... Uh, that Winona is a synthetic. He's a little excited about it, but she takes this moment to jack into the ship to get a diagnostic. She tries, but can't stop the engines. So Ripley tells her, you know what? You're going to have to just crash land this thing. Yeah, crash it into Earth. And it turns out this is going to happen in about 43 minutes. Yeah, welcome to Earth, bitch. So everyone naturally makes a beeline for the smuggler ship. Ripley comes upon a pile of KY jelly on the floor and realizes that they're near the alien nest. And she goes, I can feel her. The queen, she's yeah. in pain. This is apparently a priority for her. So she drops down into a big, wet, pulsating pile of H.R. Geiger's nocturnal ejaculate. Yeah, this was like a, a xenomorph shunting scene if yes. you go back to our society episode easily our best uh, episode this was the shunting she makes sweet tender love to the alien queen every one of the xenomorphs she gets fucked by i kind of have to wonder why why not she doesn't really mention this at any point for the rest of the story she doesn't and also, really like, uh, have her good reason they're related right this is alien incest which is very popular right now. Well, you if know you what? Go to Pornhub, X videos, and stuff like that. You know what happened was one of the xenomorphs got stuck in the dryer and oh, was all like, because yeah. because you know it had that has that head. It could go in, but coming out, it gets stuck. Oh, step Zeno, what are you yeah, doing? Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm talking <laughs> about. <laughs> and you know, now that you mention this, kind of makes sense how that baby turned out. It came, it came out kind of... Yeah. It's a little, uh, little iffy. Oh, know. yeah, just like the fucking Queen of England and her inbred ass. You bang your family members for generations and generations, you're going to get gooby. We like to keep our bloodline pure. <laughs> oh, is that why you have one tiny hand? <laughs> that's why you have a baby foot your majesty <laughs> is that why you're walking in circles oh, oh god damn the monarchy is a joke isn't it back on the smuggler ship Dr. <clears throat> Dipshit has a Mexican standoff with our heroes while Purvis suspiciously spasms on the ground <laughs> and <laughs> I think the moment we've been waiting for is finally here folks he 
just kind of goes ape shit. He beats the fuck out of Dr. D until a chestburster emerges. And uh, shoots through his chest, through Dr. Dipshit's head. And this basically forces everyone to shoot him into a fine red mist. Every single bullet left in the movie is in this fucking xenomorph, Dr. Dipshit, and Pervo, or whoever the fuck the guy is that you Yeah, he's, he's mushed up real good. Swiss cheese. But let's go back to the alien nest for a minute, because this is what you all want to hear about. Uh, we see everyone who got dragged away in the previous scenes in this film, and they are all glued to the walls by alien secretions. But then you got Dr. Chucky from Child's Play mm -hmm. going... It turns out that the queen, she had a gene splice, and now she has the gift to give birth. That was Ripley's gift to her. Yeah, he's, oh, uh, woo. <laughs> he's incredibly turned on, but he's also just an exposition dump at this point. But, like, his arms are up in the air, and he's like, somebody jerk me off, please. Yeah, he's actually loving this entire situation he is not put off at all but we see the pregnant queen who uh actually has kind of funny tiny little t-rex arms clever um, girl hold on to your butts takes a little bit of the seriousness away from the scene when you just see those little things kind of flipping oh, around just the flailing yeah it's, 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 it's little uh little appendages but she does have a big fat belly full of a humanoid alien abomination okay Everything about this scene is fucking amazing. Yeah, it's gross. You got Brad Dorif narrating the the queen's pregnancy. Uh -huh. You got uh, everything's very slimy. You got cocoons everywhere. Yep. You got the queen alien. Everyone loves the design of the queen. It's phenomenal. Mm. Yeah. It's uh, she she's got a big old prego belly. It's also very beige. Like the rest of the fucking movie. There isn't a single red in the movie. Uh, even the blood isn't red. No. Uh, it's, it's like a brown. It's weird. Everything has a, has a filter to it. Yeah. Um, sepia from yeah. Instagram. There you uh, go. So this nasty alien uh, humanoid child emerges in a sloppy pile of alien afterbirth. Ben Shapiro. Gooby. Gooby. born. And his first act is to tear the queen apart like an asshole. Like, much, much like a praying mantis after coitus. And it appears that he only really cares about Ripley, who is his true mother. Ripley! Yeah, so they start snuggling. But then uh, baby Gooby decides to bite off the head of Brad Dorf. We knew that was coming eventually, right? Oh, we knew it was coming. Which he loves. He accepts it. He embraces the whole act. He's just like, come here. This is the final climax that I needed. Yeah, this is like the lead singer of In Excess uh, hanging himself from a doorknob. <laughs> I like that you went that route. I was going to go with David Carradine from Kung Fu Legend Continues. Yeah, they're the two big ones. They're the only ones that really matter. They're the guys who, who died asphyxiating themselves while penis in hand. Yes. That's what Brett Dorf was all about. I'm sure this was some kind of obscure French metaphor for that. Probably. So Ripley sprints back to the getaway ship now that her lust has been satiated. And this is a little odd because she really just took a brief aside to impregnate an alien. And this must have happened in a matter of like five minutes, right? Okay, so real quick. Did Sigourney Weaver impregnate the alien? Yeah. Are you sure? No. I just kind of assumed. Who fucked the queen? 
Now, what I'm thinking is this, Greg. Okay. I'm thinking that the Xenomorph, like the drones, Mm -hmm. they were ordered to jerk off Chucky and collect the cum. Okay. And, like, kind of turkey baster it in to the queen. You know, that would make a lot of sense by the way that the child actually looks. It kind of looks like Brad Dorf. If you saved your ejaculate in a jar for like a month and just filled that up and then yeah. poured it into a like a human face mold, yeah. that's what this monster is. It's and a cum monster. I yeah. don't think it's an accident. Considering the franchise and considering the uh, influence and the inspiration, this is all Geiger shit. This is all based it's on this artwork. Yep. So the fact that this thing looks all cummy and gooey, I think it's just it's right in keeping with the whole theme. Do you think Geiger jerked off to this scene? Yes. Yeah, not a doubt in my mind have you ever heard the man talk <laughs> yes very german very sexual a he's a creep he's such a creep love his work I, I love his influence on all these films even species i'm a fan I love uh, at, species. Least, at least the first one i like the second one i mean he's he clearly has an influence and he has a just a vast body of work that is amazing but the man's a pervert you can compare Geiger to a Lars Van Trier. Sure. You, you know, can compare both, him to most German men. Both German, both perverts. You know, competent at his profession. And on German. some level, a, a psychosexual abomination. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and I think Very that's good. why the Holocaust. So we get, uh, Sigourney Weaver makes a run for it away from the cum monster. <laughs> she jumps on the Betty. The Betty, of course, is the pirate ship. And everyone is happy to see her for some reason. I don't know. Oh, totally especially understand. Pearl Man, who's yeah. been at odds with her the entire movie. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Ripley's back. Yeah. The whole tone of our team has changed. All of a sudden, they're all one unit. Um, but they try to take off, but the hatch is malfunctioning. Of course. Oh, pickles. So Winona goes to see what the problem is. And surprise, surprise. It's Gooby. Oh, Gooby the super dog. Yep. yep. And he closes the latch because he's such a good Gooby. He's a, he's a really smart Gooby. Isn't he? Yeah. He's a tactile Gooby. Since Winona can't handle him on her own, Tuco pops in to try and save the day. But shortly, he gets his head mushed into a just clay-like paste. A batter. And, and Ripley decides that it's time for her to go to work. Yeah. She catches Gooby fingering Winona's bullet hole. Gross. There's a lot uh, of sexual tension in this movie. It's an alien movie. She cleverly seduces him like a teacher at a special needs school. (laughs) 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 So while Gooby is distracted by new feelings in his rapidly maturing adolescent body, they blast him out the airlock and he turns into space spaghetti. Yeah, but before this, you get a good look at the fact that Gooby is not only man, or but he's also female, because it kind of has both genitalia. Oh, he is anatomically correct, but I think a little bit of... Anatomically incorrect, my friend! Well, An abomination! Abomination! You are right, because I think a little bit of the controversy on the set was that they had to remove, I want to say, the mixed and matched genital uh, configuration that they had on the original model. Yeah, it was a penis vagina. Yeah, it was it was both. Just like in species. So Gooby turns into space spaghetti and the Auriga crashes into Earth and quickly makes whatever lives there extinct. Oh my god, I love that the entire movie is we gotta prevent 
this from getting to Earth. We can't let the Xenomorphs get to Earth. Yep. So instead, they crash the ship into Earth. It's the same fucking thing that took out the fucking dinosaurs. The explosion like, is bigger than any possible meteor that could ever yeah. hit. <laughs> uh, it's, 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 it's absolutely... It doesn't get burnt up by the atmosphere because it's a spaceship designed not to get burnt up by the atmosphere. It crashes into Earth, basically wiping out of everything that exists on Earth. All life, all plants, all, all animal, all man. All, all man and animal. It's all destroyed. But it it's doesn't gone. matter because our crew of misfits has survived, at least for now. Because, unfortunately, although they shot Gooby out a hole in the airlock window, turns out our heroes never actually repair that leak. Yeah, apparently so, it's fine. I can only assume everybody eventually dies of space asphyxiation, but the day is saved. The end. Alien 4, everyone. So... Fucking fantastic. I, I love Ron Perlman, uh -huh. but he should not have survived. Okay. No, he should have died. He was a dick. We Wheeler, uh, Wheels, should have died. Uh -huh. The only survivor should have been Winona Ryder and Sigourney Weaver, and they should have scissored each other till the end of days. Well, that would have been kind of interesting because even uh, whether or not they scissored, if they were flying away in this lone ship, there still would have been that ambiguity that does the alien still live on with Sigourney Weaver? Can she reproduce with a synthetic? You know, will will this still be a menace to whoever picks them up? There's still that ambiguity that could so lead this, to another sequel. This movie was supposed to get a sequel. It, it was supposed to get a sequel, and it was supposed to have xenomorphs on Earth for the first time. Yeah. And it's just, it never happened because the reviews for Resurrection were so bad. Mm, like, this, yeah. is this is considered a flop. Yeah, it didn't do well. Although, in retrospect, it is, in my opinion, one of the better ones. Oh, it definitely is. It's definitely better than 3. Mm -hmm. uh, it's better than the ones that came out recently. Covenant is, a, is I think, the worst alien movie ever. Oh, it's awful. Uh, You're not going to top 1 and 2, but this is easily the third best one. Oh, yeah. No doubt. No doubt about it. Out of the what? Was there seven of them? Something like that, but who actually six. cares? There's six. There's six of them if you don't count AVPs. There's so much weird shit that happened in this movie that didn't have to happen, but it, it's fine. I mean, the the movie is... You gotta take your brain out and just enjoy what it is. This is where I say that this is not meant to be scary. No. It's not meant to be the uh, the, the isolation visceral kind of isolation yeah. horror of the first one. This is more of a thrill ride. This is more of like a fun B-movie good time. A dynamite! And it's it's, a I think it's successful in that. It is. It's a, it's a chase. It's a chase to get to uh, a ship within a ship to get the fuck out of there. There's aliens. Uh, what do we do about it? Yeah. And there's uh, interesting characters. Well, do you want to do you want to get into our scores? Yeah, uh, I'm going to give I'm going to give Alien Resurrection a a 4 out of 5 scaries. Not bad. It, it is what it is. It's a, it's a fun movie. It's a very fun hangover movie. This is definitely a hangover movie. It's fun if you're new to the series. It's fun if you're uh, a grizzled alien vet and you just want to want to go back and relive Resurrection. It's fun all around. I've noticed yeah, the, the key I mean, word that you keep saying is fun. It's fun. It's a fun uh, Ripley isn't Ripley. Uh, she's uh, over-sexual. She's, Winona, she's Winona, sarcastic. 
yeah. a little abrasive. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's the point. I mean, it's it's kind of goofy, too, in the sense that it's 200 years after Alien 3, which is 60 years after the first Alien, which it looks like the first Alien had better technology than this movie, which is kind of weird. If you want to see, if you want to experience a great Alien sequel, play Isolation. This is not going to fulfill your, your need for a sequel to the first one. Uh, Isolation is fucking fantastic. The storyline is great. The atmosphere is great. This one is not about that. This one is about just being bombastic and over the top and just kind of crazy. This is the Fast and Furious of the Alien franchise. Yeah, it's the weird one. Oh, totally. Alien 1 is the scary one. Yep. Alien 2 is the... uh, The Terminator 2. It's it's the awesome one. It's awesome. 3 is the piece of shit. 4 is the fun one. Anything after that is just forgettable. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I put this in the top three Alien movies, no problem. Quick score for me, five out of five, easily. Uh, I especially enjoy the fact that there was a robot and uh, Ron Perlman didn't die. So, good stuff. There you go. So, what do you give it? Oh, I just told you, five out of five. I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> You're probably right to, to just tune that out at this point. <laughs> Come on, man. This is our best episode. Everything gets five out of five in our best episode. Five out of five, baby. So, all right. with that said, what do you got for me, man? All I got is, is that you guys need to buckle the fuck up because we are continuing our space adventure next week by going to space. space. We're out here. Loving every minute of it. Loving every minute of it. Just like Lover Boy, we're gonna go back to space to a movie that is uh, a little bit older. It's actually a lot older. This okay. is also one of Greg's picks, and it's also my favorite song by the Misfits. I do like them a little bit older. Oh God, the outfield are rolling in their graves right now. What movie are you talking about? My favorite Misfits song. Oh, hey, you guys should probably just love each other. Why don't you guys uh, offer your neck to the wolf with the red roses? Will he offer me his hunger? What? Will he offer me his teeth? What? Will he love me? Okay! But most importantly, keep it spooky! Spooky! That's scary. I bet you say that to all the boys. Yeah.